T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. NFL insider for ESPN Field, Yates Field. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's always great to catch up. Well, it's great to have you, man. Um, so we got the big news today that if Kansas City and Buffalo play in the AFC title game, that it would be played in Atlanta on a neutral site. So why was it important? I just, I'm just i more curious about the decision-making behind this. Why was it important for the NFL to have a neutral site conference title game in the event of Buffalo-KC in the AFC, AFC title game? Yeah, I guess we have to kind of rewind before we can spin things forward, and it's worth reminding people that this only takes place if it's the Bills and the Chiefs. If there is any other matchup in the AFC Championship game, the game would be played at whoever has the higher seed. But because the Bills were unable to complete that Week 17 game against Cincinnati, uh, they obviously had one fewer game played. So while the Chiefs won 14 games and the Bills won just 13 games, they both had three losses, and the Bills had the head-to-head tiebreaker. So hypothetically, if that Bills game had been completed in Week 17 and they won that game, they would have owned the number one seed. The reason why the Bengals do not get the same such treatment is that even if Cincinnati had defeated the Bills, and it looked like based off the first half quarter, like that was a real possibility, their best-case scenario would have been 13-4, and four, still one game short of the Chiefs at 14-3. and three. The neutral site seemed, in the NFL's estimation, like the fairest way to – uh, sort of account for the Bills unha- unable to uh, be unable to have that opportunity to get to 14 and three. Um, I think there are some questions about why Atlanta and some questions about whether uh, it would this idea made sense in the first place. But I would say all things being considered, this is about as fair of a scenario as the NFL could conjure up. So, with that field, could you see the conference title games all being played at neutral sites in the future? <laughs> this is where I think things get interesting because on the probably the hand of you know fans, people that uh, love and support their team every single week, we get fired up for the possibility of hosting a conference championship game in a stadium, right? They want to have a Cleveland AFC championship game in future years, right? And while the NFL has made no comment suggesting that this is going to become something they would consider going forward, they could follow the college football model, right? I mean, the college football playoff semifinal play is played at a neutral site. And while it just so happens that some of the teams that tend to make the college football playoffs do play near big markets like Atlanta and Miami, uh, where there are often these big college football playoff games, still, it's a neutral site. And if you're the NFL, you could sell all kinds of retail and merchandise and advertisements for a neutral site game at the conference championship level, similar to how they do, but not at the same scale, 
on the Super Bowl level. So uh, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I do think that this will be an interesting case, uh, t- test case because if we get this far, not only would it be the Bills and the Chiefs, but we're talking about two of the most marketable players in the entire league in Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and two fan bases that they're going to play this game you know, halfway across the world and we'd probably see a sold-out stadium. I assume that Buffalo will advance over Miami this weekend. Skylar Thompson getting the start for the Dolphins. I'm curious your thoughts, Field, on the future of Tua. It's a really interesting one, and I think that's probably the reality that I've I've at least wrapped my own mind around is that a lot of these first-round quarterbacks, um, and Lamar Jackson is the exception here, but a lot of these first-round quarterbacks, whether it's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray, the year they become extension eligible are pursuing and receiving that extension. And it's often a franchise altering commitment for better or worse. I would argue that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are already significant discounts in the quarterback landscape. The idea that Mahomes makes uh, 45 million per year and Josh Allen makes 43 million per year. And someone like Kyler Murray makes $46 million per year is evidence enough of that opinion. Um, I think with Tua in Miami, you might see another year of patience. I could be way off here, but if I'm Miami, how do you commit to a player who has now his third concussion, or at least entered the concussion protocol for the third time this season? And if their season does end this upcoming Sunday when they play Buffalo, which I agree it will, you're talking about a player who was unable to be available for the last two regular season games and actual playoff game as well. So there's some, there's some questions just about a player uh, in an area that's extremely sensitive with concussions. So I think Miami might be better served to try to string it along one more year, which, oh, by the way, buys you a bit more time to evaluate to him because while he was excellent for a good portion of this season, when the 49ers were no longer playing the cakewalk, excuse me, well, the, the Dolphins were no longer playing the cakewalk portion of their schedule and started to face teams like the 49ers, who was the first game that kind of really tested them. You know, the clock didn't necessarily strike midnight on Tua, but he certainly was a different player against tougher defenses than he was during the middle of the season. Field, while most of the NFL, and maybe not most of the NFL, a good select few in the NFL are in the playoffs, the Browns are a hunting for a defensive coordinator. And uh, the big name that is is going to be interviewing uh, this week is Brian Flores, former Steelers, uh, not former, but former Miami head coach and Steelers assistant linebacking coach. So I'll ask you, is it more likely Brian Flores lands a head coaching job or a defensive coordinator job this offseason? I would think defensive coordinator only because I think we would have heard about more head coaching interests by this time. And it might not be the worst path for Brian Flores, by the way, because while I don't have any doubt that Brian Flores is a really, really good football coach, it's hard for us, and this is just something that I think on the outside we have to maybe become a little bit more adept at, is that pretty much the only coaches that we think we can evaluate are head coaches and coordinators, right? Because when you're a head coach, it's win-loss record, and when you're a coordinator, it's points per game or points allowed per game or just overall efficiency of an offense or a defense. Who's to say that the Steelers' assistant linebacker, or assistant head coach and linebacker's coach is great or bad at his job? I think reputation would tell me that certainly he is very good, but I think there are some who don't know just how capable he is based off of what you watch from the Steelers 
this season. This would help Brian Flores, I think, get back on that head coaching track. And I think that Brian Flores will eventually get another shot to become an NFL head coach. But if uh, a defensive coordinator gig is in between now and that head coaching job, I think it would actually be a pretty beneficial step for him. Field, do you think that the lawsuit against the NFL for discrimination is in any way holding back Flores' head coaching hopes? It's a good question. I, I don't, you know, here's what I would say. I don't want to go out and assertively say that it does impact how teams are viewing him as a potential head coaching candidate. I also would say that it's pretty naive for me to think it has zero merit and zero tie to his current head coaching candidacy, right? It was one of the stories of the offseason last year, and it percolated throughout the offseason. So I think it is a part of the puzzle. I don't think it's the leading piece, though. I think ultimately when NFL teams are making these head coaching hires, the wise ones, and we can debate how many wise ones there are, are making that decision based off of the merits of a person that um, is not tied to something that took place uh, in the past that um, – I don't think it defines Brian Flores. Certainly he is known for it in some circles. Uh, people who don't know as much about the NFL know about some of the things that have taken place in the league. But I would say that Brian Flores' reputation is about being an accountable, tough, defensive-minded coach who uh, he's going to call it like he sees it. He's going to hold guys to a certain standard. But if you bring it day in and day out with Brian Flores, they're going to be in a spot to win. Derek Carr announced moves on social media today uh, that he's not going to be back in Vegas next season. Where do you think Carr ends up? Where, where makes the most sense for him? Yeah, it's a great question uh, because he is the first quarterback that's kind of been become like a central figure in the quarterback carousel of this offseason, but he's also the only one. And what I have found in previous years is that once we have a general sense of the landscape of the quarterbacks, we then have a hierarchy. And typically the more talented and more well-known quarterbacks will be the guys that are the first dominoes to fall that will have an impact on who other teams target. So do I think Derek Carr could end up being the best veteran quarterback available this offseason? I think it's possible. I don't think it's a guarantee, though, because there are other guys names that we are going to keep an eye on, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a free agent, whether it's quarterbacks that could be available via a trade. And we have so much time to break down the possible Aaron Rodgers trade that I'm not going to overdo it other than saying, like, it seems at least possible that Aaron Rodgers could be a trade candidate this offseason. But if Rodgers does become available, well, then all of a sudden every other team is probably saying, wait, if I'm looking for a quarterback, and the options are Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, not that Rodgers is cheap, but I think you're going to make your all-in move and try to acquire Rodgers first before you do so Derek Carr. So uh, I do think Atlanta makes some sense for Derek Carr. The Jets have been floated. I don't know that I see that fit quite as much, but there will be a suitor for Derek Carr. I think the bigger question isn't whether there will be a suitor, but whether a team will be willing to trade for Derek Carr in his current contract or if they're going to want to basically play a game of chicken with the Raiders and wait for them to release Carr. Field, if you, if you don't want to overdo it on uh, quarterback rumors and quarterback trade rumors, you might be on the wrong Ooh. show. But I'll just – because it, yeah, it, it, no, 
We can have fun then. I, I'm, I'm happy to oblige. Hit me with it. What do you got? Well, because I wanted to know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, more likely to retire or being playing elsewhere in 2023? Oh. Yeah. Um, my guess is both play. My guess is both play. And I don't, I don't have a perfect guess. I don't have a crystal ball, whatever you want to say. Um, but with Rodgers, so much money on the table that he would be walking away from it. It's not like he doesn't have tons of money, but – you know, we spoke about the competitive fire after the game, and I got the sense that Rodgers is not going to want to go out on that note. For Brady, you know, the fact that he came back for 45 in year 23 makes me think that, like, at this point, I would rather just bank on Brady coming back every single year, which I know he's eventually going to not, than to expect him to not be coming back in a given year. It just sort of feels like, you know, Brady – while he has literally nothing to prove, is wired in a way that is one of one, and that is why he becomes the best quarterback of all time. All right, final one. We'll end it on the Browns' their field. Should Browns fans be optimistic about 2023? We'll see. So I actually was talking about this with uh, one of my colleagues at ESPN recently and said that there uh, are a few quarterbacks that I have to go back and study much more than every other. And I, I mentioned that no one leads that list more than Deshaun Watson because um, I think there are a couple of things that are fair to say up at this point is that <clears throat> I don't want to hear that Deshaun Watson, it was all brand new and there was no time and live reps and all that when we also see someone like Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, playing extremely efficient football when he probably had, I don't know, one rep with the first team all season until he actually had to play in the game because of injuries to both Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. On the other hand, what I know about Deshaun Watson is that on the football field, his apex, his ceiling is one of the, I don't know, five or seven best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't think, especially at his age, that all of a sudden the physical decline happens in just one full season. I know obviously it had been 700 days between his two games, but I don't think Deshaun Watson just forgot how to play football. But um, if he gets things back to or closer to where he was, then the Browns fans should be optimistic. If not, then it's going to be a problem. And it's a not just a problem, but it's a catastrophic error potentially because $230 million fully guaranteed, there's no way for that to go away. So um, I, I tend to lean much more towards he'll be back on track and look more like Deshaun Watson. And if that's the case and they find the right defensive coordinator, he'll be in good shape. Field, excellent stuff, man. Really do appreciate your time. Uh, electric stuff as always, buddy. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.